guys, welcome to another amazing episode of Roll or Die. This is the uh, BOA special series that we're doing and today we have Shawnee Boy, aka Sean LG, aka, because most people can't pronounce his whole name, I think that's why they call him the other two things and part of his boyish good looks and, and life is good, but his name is actually Sean Liguriarek, is that correct my brother? That's pretty damn good man, that's, that's his best I've heard it in a while. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I practiced it in front of the mirror all morning. Welcome to the show. <laughs> you nailed it. Good on you. Thanks, man. Um, you're, you're an absolute at the moment laying canvas. Is that what you said to me before? That's it. Yeah, yeah I'm here with uh, Sammy Colvin. He's doing a lift at the moment. And we're just changing the uh, the surfaces on the ring and on the octagon. Oh, nice, man. That's good. So uh, so you guys can kick some more ass in there. That's good, man. And uh, That's it. Yeah, so we're here to talk mainly about Boa. Obviously, we want to get to know you a bit as well. I mean, you're just such a legend, man. You've been around the club for a long time and around the sport for a long time. But if we start with Boa and then expand out from there, that might be a good way to go. So Boa's just been delayed, as you know, till September. Um, but what does the prep look like for you leading up to a major event like this? Like, do, do you change much about how you, how you do this stuff? Um. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you, you think about there's like seven other guys on the uh, on the show. So I try to categorize the ones that I'd use game plans with and the other, like, you know, for each person. So I, I do a little bit of that as it leads up. So focus a little bit on who you're, who you're fighting exactly. Yeah. But um, before all that, it's just mainly about being consistent. That's a hard thing, mm. doing like hard, hard trainings to do six to seven in a row. Mm. For like six, seven days in a row. That's the that's the major thing to try and keep consistently on the mat. So, but yeah. as it gets closer, yeah, focusing on more of a game plan or a strategy for particular opponents. But we don't know who we're fighting yet. So, yeah, um, in water. But yeah, that's the idea. Get, get do a bit of homework. Yeah, that's good. And how about psychologically too, Sean? I mean, it's lockdown's pretty tricky time for all of us. Um, how are you sort of dealing with that, as well as the prospect of Boa kind of in the you know future? A little bit further down the track, but yeah. Yeah, I guess sort of the whole lockdowns and thing, that's the annoying part is the, 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 the breaks of that because it's so dependent on, you know, are they going to lock us in or are they going to leave us out? Um, so, yeah, that's the annoying part is that it can just all be taken away from times. Mm. As far as just keeping in routine and training every day, nothing really changes though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. You just imagine that you're always there, that it's all going ahead. It's better yeah. to stay. And on game on game day, what what's your like your your do you have because you've done some big international comps as well like like we might talk go back to some of those as well. But what's traditionally like? What does a game day look a match day look like for you? Um, yeah, so uh, I guess on on the day of the event, yeah, I try to keep my schedule as like normal as possible as it always is, is it on every day so I try to just stick to my usual routine in the morning of waking up a little bit earlier than usual I get up about six in the morning and then try not to look at my phone till about eight mm. um and I mean before all of that I never really did when I was doing morning classes in the city it was the same kind of routine I'd just be training through all that part but um now that I'm living a lot further out um my I'll be yeah still waking up early but I don't begin training until 10 o'clock at uh, at St Kilda so I usually get in a little bit earlier and and training there as well but um yeah on a on a match day yeah just try to try to meditate a little bit more since i've got a bit more time and just like listen to my heart rate and my breathing a little more get in get in tune with that and um yeah just try to keep a uh, keep it as normal as i usually would some people they um they either go to the training mat and train like they're competing 
I try to go to competing and treat it like training. So you know, mm. I try and make friends with the people on there, you know, walk around a little bit normally, get used to the venue, those sort of things, normalize it. Yeah. And you it. have been on a previous BOA, yeah? You had a super fight uh, a couple of years ago. I think, was it the first or second BOA? You, um, you were in that. How do you think BOA compares, like, internationally as an event? Yeah, I think it's the best best show I've been on by, by a mile. Just it's so much put into it. And like, you can, the money's there's a lot more money in it, and it's it's being, I think, very well used to, to promote all the – the fighters um so yeah i think for boas a show it's just super organized i mean i haven't got to go on like a big polaris or any of those other things but it it definitely has those same vibes if, if it seems yeah it's huge when you're competing like what what's something obviously without giving away but actually do you know you, yeah you're you're yeah you won't know who your competitors are to the day have you have you faced off against any of the ones who you know are in there at the moment is there yeah yeah for sure there's um I've, yeah, I've competed against some guys like a long time ago. I competed against Rod Costa, yep. a purple belt. Um, Skinner, I've trained – Jeremy Skinner, I've trained with a heap mm-hmm. on the mat so we know what, what each other are like. Um, Tommy David, who just got at it, I've, I've rolled with him before and I'm um, and, um, competed against him. And and so some of those guys, I'd say half of them I've, I've felt and the others half I haven't. Ooh. So um, it's interesting. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, it'll be awesome. And um, – Something just stepping away from Boa just briefly. You are, I guess, Tiago's first person that you've graded from white to black belt. So it's uh, for our uh, absolute listeners, that is um, a pretty special thing. So, yeah, just talk us through that. So you you actually started with Tiago way back in the day and you got your blue, purple, brown and then black from him. So, yeah, it's a pretty special thing, yeah? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I was very, very lucky to to have Tiago come into my life at the time he did. I think I was uh, very, I might have been 20 or something like that and pretty, pretty reckless kid. And I got in a lot of, a lot of fights, um, just get mad at the world. Like you see many young men. Um, and I'd never heard of, like, I mean, I've seen jujitsu in, in uh, MMA and stuff like that, but I'd never seen someone who's devoted their life to it. And um, someone who's such a giver like Tiago from the, like, from the moment I met him, he, he's always made everybody feel, super important um he has a, a very special thing there so i was i was lucky to get to be like to, to find him as early as i did um and and from then yeah we i bounced around at a few other gyms that he was coaching at and just sort of followed him around and thought this is this is a great mentor to be around um and he instilled a lot of great values on me i think from both as a competitor but as a coach which is predominantly my main income at the moment and i'm very lucky to have a guy like that who who's an, an exceptional leader I, I don't know any other guy who can make his people feel as special as he does but still run such a tight machine and uh, and produce great great people like as well as competitors but just great people like yourself kim you know what i mean <laughs> thanks um, and, Anton, and did you hear that he included me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. No, I totally got that. I'm I'll taking just notes. By, by rank, I give it to Kim first, but then Anton's following very closely. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, no, no, I totally get it. Kim's in the worthy yeah. category. Uh, uh, actually, that's a good note. How did you find Tiago in the first place? Was it like for me? I found absolute like randomly. Like I was just a mate of mine said, "Ah, uh, I was moving from the Gold Coast back to Melbourne," and a mate said, oh, "Do you want to do this? Do you want to do some striking with me?" Here's a gym I've Googled. It was absolute. We went in there and then I transitioned to the BJJ. That was kind of my story. 
But how did you first find BJJ and Tiago, I guess? Yeah. Um, so how I first I found first found jiu-jitsu. I wasn't in the country at the time. I was overseas traveling and just was became a fan of watching it. But when I came back, I was still playing football. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was I always liked tackling people, but I didn't know you could make a whole sport out of just tackling people and then <laughs> controlling them. Um, and so when I met Tiago, I think I was training out of No Limits um, yeah. in Monterna. And at that time, uh, I was training with Dion Perkins, who was a purple belt coach. And, uh, and I got to spend a lot of time on the mat with Peter Vella. He was ah, also right. a very good purple belt and, a, and, a, and a, a great guy who sort of got me obsessed about the sport early on. I think when I felt Petey's guard, I was like, Jesus, you can't get through this thing. This is what, a, this is what good jiu-jitsu is. And then, yeah, Tiago came in. Um, yeah, I was only maybe a two-stripe white belt or something. And then when Tiago came in, it, uh, it changed the game radically for me i was like i really became obsessed with it mm-hmm. um just with how much he knew he had so much knowledge of something like he's he's been a black belt longer than i've done jiu-jitsu so yeah. he's um he was just a terrific uh, wealth of knowledge and he just wanted to share it he was always giving 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 with it um and so yeah it was it was easy it was an easy choice for me to stay with him the whole time and um yeah it's been great awesome and you're pretty involved with the absolute gym at Collingwood. I mean, you're there at the moment. It definitely has a really fantastic culture, which I think that you're a very big part of. Um, it's one of the newer gyms of uh, the absolute family. What would you say to anyone that's listening that's maybe looking at starting up their own gym about how to build a good culture, about how to make it feel very welcoming, very homely? Because I, I really feel that you're a very big part of the reason that Collingwood is the way it is um so uh so uh oh look i appreciate that i don't think it's all me i'd say it's more there's there's a lot more people involved in that side of things oh yeah you're part of the team for sure but definitely you've had a a big part in it 100 percent. yeah um as far as advice i would give i mean i've never had to start my own gym or anything like that but i think um yeah you really have to put if if you're going to start your own gym you have to put the the people are like you, the people who come to it is more important than yourself. Like you've got to make that your number one thing is to care and help people mm. um, 100%. Um, and I think what's most important is that you, I, for me, I just keep going back to meaningful work and meaningful relationships. So as long as you can keep those two in mind the whole time, then things tend to work out. Money will come or whatever. But I think uh, it's very important that you're right. You know, you're, treating people the way that you know that you wish to be treated um is a, is a very important thing and um and yeah i think that's it right. encourage people to just keep keep coming up and remember why why you started and yeah yeah oh, that's beautiful that's really beautiful especially given i guess what we're talking about and the fact that you are such a killer on the mat it's really uh, awesome that you've got this kind of like Jekyll and Hyde almost personality so like off the mat and then on the mat because uh yeah like you're getting ready to go into an eight-man tournament to like destroy your opponents but yet you're just it's coming across to me just such a beautiful human being so that's fantastic absolutely and what what about like getting married Claudia lovely the amazing Claudia and you you are just you are again very inspirational to others because you're very open about your love across social media etc which is you know, not not all that common. You know, I know a few people who do it, but I, I love that you. That's one of the things I love about you. 
But what does getting married or, you know, this super partnership that you've got going on, how does that impact or how has that shifted the way that you compete? Because I really want to bring this back to Boa now. Um, so, like, w- what does that do when you go when you step out there to have her in your corner, for example? Uh, that may be the old saying, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> that That's about it. Um, I've just got to be aware, like you said, there's that two sides. When we're training, we're going hard. It's like hard, hardcore problem solving, trying to kill each other stuff. So I have to know to put the tools down when it's time to come home because it can be so, uh, you know, to, to, to be relaxed and cuddly is way different than to be trying to strangle each other and yeah. things. So, um, yeah, being knowing when to be gentle with my, uh, just both with my words as well to just be more calm and, and relaxed. It, it keeps things happy at home. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, when I go out, yeah, I've got to put all that stuff aside. And not often, like, I'm, I kind of prefer, to be honest, competing alone. I don't really like like having my wife come to my matches. I prefer just okay. to yep. go out, get it done, get get its work. So just go out for me. It's not really. I mean, when I was younger, I think I enjoyed the performance part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, being an entertainer and all. But um, now it's just like put put the person in front of me and let me work. Yeah, right. Um, cool. Yeah, maybe just like being it. a bit older and saltier that you just want to get it done quick and get it out there and, and leave it. I don't want to stick stick around and. You know, I just oh, want to I love that. make the I work remember, speak for itself. Yeah, she was at a lot of your matches early on. I do remember that. You know what I mean? Like, I remember when you were doing MMA and stuff like that. She was, she was. I, I'm not saying you're not doing MMA anymore, but the MMA matches I've seen you at, she seemed to always be there. But yeah, I do. Yeah, I wonder what that's like myself. To me, that sort of stuff does add pressure. And I think you're saying it kind of does in, in another way. It's like someone else you've got to perform to, you know, or, you know. Yeah, or just someone who has to watch you get hurt. You know, you don't want to, have to see it. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. I don't think she's that entertained by it, which I'm kind of glad. I don't want to. Yeah. I wouldn't want a wife that's just like kill him and like watching UFC more than me. I don't think it would work. It wouldn't gel. So I think part of my 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 uh, more nicer nature side's a lot to do with her. I think she's yeah. So uh, balance each other a little bit. Beautiful. Before we go back all the way back to Bowl, but I definitely want to ask you just some questions about your traveling. You've uh, traveled quite a bit and through Brazil. Yeah. You, you spent a significant amount of time. Can you tell us any funny stories or anything about your, your travels through, through Brazil? Yeah. All the stories I probably wouldn't want to share on this, all the really <laughs> funny ones, but um, uh, yeah, definitely. I was very lucky to, to go and visit Brazil when I was a blue belt and um, I got to training in a few different places my first training session in brazil was in the jungle in manaus which is the same uh the same town that jacare is from it's a city of two million people in the middle of the jungle so that was a pretty cool experience and then um i moved to rio i was there for a couple of months in rio living in a share house i think it was called connect in rio at the time and it was just a bunch of gringos living together in a share house grappling every day and that was okay but i think i missed the greater experience which i eventually got when i went to sao paulo where I had more of a, a country, um, smaller town experience in, in Indiatuba where Tiago's family was. And um, I was super duper lucky to get to live with Tiago's auntie, Adelaide. Um, and she was incredible, even though she didn't speak a word of English and mm. I didn't really speak a word of Portuguese. We had a, we had a really nice connection. Oh. And, um, and I, yeah, it was nice. We got to sort of walk around every day and, and see things. And I was really a bit pushed outside of my comfort zone initially being unable to communicate with the people, but it ended up 
um, that initial discomfort became, uh, I think, a moment of growth where I became a lot more independent from it and, and had to uh, struggle a little bit. But uh, I, I, that was probably the most, um, the greatest part of the whole trip was sort of feeling a, a connection with the people more locally who were excited to see gringos. When you're, when you're in the major cities, they're kind of like, oh, here's just another gringo on the mat for us to beat up. But when you go out to the smaller towns, people all gather around you because they, you know, they've only ever seen television shows of like home and away and stuff. And people are like, oh, you know, you got to meet my friends from Australia. You might know them. I'm like, oh, go, oh, a shot in the dark. I might, you know, but you feel it feels a lot more, um, you know, people are listening more intently and, and, and vice versa. You, you feel the same way. You feel um, very special when you're there. I feel very lucky to be there. That must connect you to jiu-jitsu a lot more, like having kind of studied jiu-jitsu overseas, like that I imagine. I don't have a story like that. You know, I've, I've like travelled to compete and those sorts of things, but to actually immerse yourself in a culture and train, like what, how do you feel like that, sh- that shifted your game? Massively, yeah. I feel like um, when I'm travelling, I feel like, because I don't have much money <laughs> at all when I'm travelling, it's not like, you know, you're, you're getting by on a shoestring. You find out that your jiu-jitsu becomes your currency. When, yeah. you, when you go into, into gyms, that's where people want to know you is what, what you can do well is what they're interested in. So I found that a lot, like really fun when I went around Argentina, I stopped in a town of Mendoza, which was known for its wine, but not for its jujitsu. And I still was lucky enough to find a little academy and do some training. And um, again, everyone would be speaking Spanish. And at the end of the class, they were asking some moves that I was doing. And um, my one translator was this little guy. He was only about eight or nine years old, but he'd watched MTV flat yeah. out and just learned English through that. <laughs> and so he just spoke, yeah, really cool English and um, was able to translate everything for me. And wow. um, it was, yeah, just like a, a, it was a special kind of thing where people, um, yeah, they're really interested in, in what you know and where you learned it. And so that was, yeah, it was kind of cool. And it, it just felt like, because the more and more time I invested in, in it, the, the more people. So I went, I went, I would trend around Peru and things as a blue belt. And uh, I got to go back more recently as a black belt and or a brown belt sorry and yeah just found myself getting invited to to lunches and stuff afterwards with all the coaches and everybody just wants to bring you around more and more the longer you stick at it the more valuable people find you to to be around and wow and it's nice that's amazing amazing i think it's your turn anton oh okay great awesome we take it in turns yeah we do we take it we have to bring some track otherwise we talk over the top of each other but then right then we sparked it up and now neither of us were talking so that's maybe they had a question Um, like what I'm, what I'm keen to know is like, what, how would you describe your style? Like as far as competing, like, would you, would you, for people who've never seen you compete before, what are they going to see on BOA? Do you, you, would you be rating yourself as more technical or a more aggressive style? Like how would you, how would you sum yourself up? Yeah. I think a lot of people nowadays divide themselves into, are they positional grapplers or are they submissional submission grapplers? Um, and I'm trying to lean more and more towards submission submissions. So I try to just go for them as much as I can yeah. early on and, and let the positions work themselves out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it, it's hard to say, like when you're, when you're wrestling, you're only fighting for position, you know, it's when it hits the mat that, that you've got to look for more subs. So um, 
yeah, I think that the, the, the biggest shift in my game of late has been to more just look look for submissions flat out and not, not be worried if they don't work out. I rely more on pin escapes and guard retention as a, as a fail-safe to that. Whereas in the past, I don't think I had much good guard retention. Um, and and I found that whenever I'd go for a sub and end up on bottom and then just out losing by points or oh, whatever, not, not falling back on bottom. So I'm trying to modify my game more that if uh, the chips are down and my spot's not good, I should still be able to submit from pretty bad positions. That's awesome. Um, I find that's more entertaining. It's a harder route to victory and it's probably much harder to remain consistently winning. But um, that's what I'm that's what I'm aiming for anyway, to be more known for just submission hunting. Just going for it basically and come what may. Is that what you're saying? It's like yeah, yeah. Like, like you you will kind of like harass a position out of them, basically, is what I'm what I'm hearing. Like you'll go for it and you will get yeah. position because there's a scramble happening and yeah. you yeah. either will or you won't, but then you fall back on your guard if you don't. So yeah, I think in the past I just sort of outwork. I try to just outwork them with an MMA mindset of just grinding them till they till they stuff like making too many mistakes and they're easy to beat. Yeah. And now at the higher levels, now guys can just go for way longer. Their conditioning's just way better. Wow. So it's it's kind of a gamble. If I want to wear them out, I might wear myself out, and then I'll be in regret that I didn't go hard enough for the sub. Yeah, so good. yeah, nowadays I just work way harder for the sub and it gives me a better inkling. I'll know at least at the end of the match, fuck, I couldn't submit the guy. I threw the kitchen sink at that person. I couldn't yeah. get a submission. That, that that'll make me know, point. right. Yeah. That, that'll make me know it. Like it's not worth the rematch, but there's matches where you just lose by a couple of points. You're like, man, if I had just gone for the sub more and pulled the trigger, um, I wouldn't be uh, wondering what if. Yeah. Well, it's very entertaining for the crowd by the sound of it. That's that's going to lead to some very exciting matches with you, mm. whoever you are against. Um, and we touched a little bit earlier on um, like game day and, and what that looks like for you. But what about like in those moments just before you step on the mat, before you compete? You're such a calm person. Like what what goes through your mind? Have you got any kind of things you can share about like you visualize breathing techniques? What do you do in those moments yeah. before? Yeah, I'm like, I'm always, ch- like, I'm still haven't found, like, like, sometimes I come in too too calm, too relaxed, and then other times um, I come in, like, firing. I try to look the same, I guess, each time I, I go in. Mm. But um, I think what we're all feeling is is different every time we go in. Um, but I'm playing around with different things, just talking to different different um, competitors as well. Like, uh, I spoke to Levi Jones a lot in this, in this training camp. He's been at um, training with us and he, he speaks about um, having a mantra and visualizing a lot mm. and that can that can help him keep calm and, and he'll he'll say often that his second session in the day is just a lot of visualization and that helps him prepare so I'm trying to practice more on on that part of the game mm. um, and uh, and other times when I'm too relaxed now if I come in and I'm, you know, I just don't feel nervous or anything like that then I've got to start to you know I've got to come up with ways to get myself angry and fired up and I'm finding that that, that uh, yeah, that's another thing that can play with. If you're just too relaxed and I haven't felt any nerves or jitters, I have to come up with something that's going to make me pretty switched on and fired. So, yeah. And what what kind of thing would you visualize if it's not too personal? Like, are you just is it you standing on the podium, or is it other things? Is it like winning scrambles and and getting a is it a submission type? Like, I'm answering for you now. But what kind of things do you visualize? Yeah, yeah, a bit of both, I guess. I, I visual like, however, I think I can finish them. I visualize that a lot, mm-hmm. and then I visualize just being firsts on a uh, on each on each exchange. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of 
I kind of maybe visualize a bit of the start of it and a bit of the end. And then whatever happens in between that, try not to think about too much. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Was that your question, Anton, or is it? Yeah. Oh, was that? That's like a yeah. one from mine, man. Come on. podcast, people. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think we also touched on this earlier, but like BOA as an event, mm-hmm. as a gateway to other tournaments, not even a gateway because it makes it sound like a stepping stone, but it is probably Australia's premier BJJ event. What, what are your thoughts about it as an event? Um, and what does it mean to you? Yeah, I mean, it's probably the biggest one going on at the moment i mean my biggest goal at the moment is to win adcc trials mm-hmm. which they have in uh, december in singapore and then hopefully february next year i'm not sure if it'll be melbourne or sydney um so they're the major things i train up for and, and i'm mainly training for adcc rule sets mm. but um it's a good thing with the the bower it's a 10 minute they're 10 minute rounds with mm-hmm. ibjjf rules but now that they've allowed heel hooks in them um then it makes it a lot more exciting mm. um and as far as a boa an event for itself, it's yeah, it's I'd say it's the biggest sort of one for exposure and things like that. And it's, I mean, I like I much prefer the the format of it where it's one mat and guys fighting off a position rather than when you look at some of the bigger tournaments they have. There's just a bunch of mats going on. It's easily to be distracted, especially if you're coaching. There's people you got to run around and and work out all the time. And even by the time you go to compete, it's not it's not as much of a performance as you would when you go to boa where it's uh it's much more like an mma show Mm. awesome well thank you so much sean for taking the time to do this it it has been tricky kind of uh at the moment as we said with the lockdowns and change of date and things like that but um man you're just so calm you're like probably the most calm person we've ever had on as a guest and you certainly seem like the most calm on boa so uh, that's definitely gonna uh, come good for you for sure like uh yeah definitely looking forward to seeing you out there on the big stage have you got any final words for any of your opponents or anyone anyone <laughs> in particular uh, no, <laughs> gonna bring that really, angry really. angry mode out now or not yet that might have to be no, just the, no, the moments before I'm, I'm being myself i suppose um but but um yeah no nah, that's I just hope everybody can turn up and that we don't get locked down. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I understand you there, brother. Thanks so much. Much love to you, my man. You're the best. Check out the rest. Thank you. Thanks so much, we'll guys. Get this, Appreciate we'll it. get this out soon. And uh, if you could share it, that'd be awesome. It'll help uh, lift cool. our audience because, yeah. yeah, everyone loves you. And All right. look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Love you too. Thanks, guys. Peace. Peace. Boys. Bye. Bye. Bye.